360 is back. Monday edition alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton, Lance Lee, Jakob Swanson, David Reed, making the show happen for us. The NFL Draft in the books for 2021. A lot to hit over the next hour. We will go full Titans discussion coming up in about 45 minutes. You can follow us on Twitter at Outkick360. We hope you'll like and subscribe wherever you're watching today. And if you're watching later or viewing later, share this with your uh, friends and family. Let them know where to find us each and every day, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, right here across the Outkick Network and on podcast wherever you download your podcast. Gentlemen, good morning. I feel refreshed, ready to go this week after a big week of uh, draft. Paul, how are you feeling after yeah, this weekend? Yeah, uh, uh, refreshed is not, not, not Monday the morning feeling. feeling after a uh, uh, draft weekend, uh, midnight Easter, uh, all of those things for me. Hutton, uh, with a big wedding uh, trip out of town, I'm guessing you're not uh, refreshed either. Uh, I am fresh and ready to go. He's ready. I'm ready to go back to Chattanooga. <laughs> bang, bang. We're That's all right. ready except for Paul. But, hey. Paul, I must say I do like that pullover. Thank you. You came in wearing purple. I didn't think I'd like it at first. I wanted a, to make I fun like of you. I like purple. But I actually enjoy it. It's a Thank very you. nice pullover. Thank you. Uh, shout out real quick to 360 season ticket holders, Toby and Lindsey Stanford. Congratulations, guys. They Congratulations. met uh, about five years ago, and they have been hanging out with us at show events ever since, married over the weekend. Congratulations to them both. Beautiful wedding, beautiful setting, perfect wedding uh, for them. I was telling uh, Paul and Chad all about it. Uh, and uh, Claire and I had a wonderful time. Uh, I like to think of them as kind of Mr. and Mrs. Outkick 360. <laughs> yeah. If we had sort of a beauty pageant, they would be named Mr. and Mrs. Outkick 360. Yeah. I want to think that they the found each two? other through our show, though they didn't. But no. I want to think that they That was did. David and Lindsay Reed that found each other through the show. I uh, think Claire's about to correct me. It's like Jamaica or something like that. What I want to do one day is, much like when Peyton Manning won Sportsman of the Year at SI, they had all the kids from the state of Tennessee named Peyton after Peyton and they did a profile of all these different kids and what they had gone on to do, get, getting ready for college at yeah. the time. I would love to one day when we win Sportsman of the Year somewhere, look at all the couples we've united over <laughs> Outkick 360 and then see the fruits of their love. Their kids doing great things one day, how they've really, the, the love has sprouted. They've moved all over the country and the whole profile is just all of the couples that we've helped bring together. And Chad and Angie have two lovely daughters, but had one of them been a son, he would have been Peyton. And I think they leaned maybe towards Peyton even for a daughter. Uh, so they, they would have been in that group. I've never been a name your child after a sports hero type person, but I'm okay with if a sports person gives you a name idea that you really like. But then I would, I would be hesitant to tell people the inspiration. Oh, I would. I, a, you can't do it. And B, if you do it, you absolutely cannot share that. I, I wouldn't share it. I'd just say if, if my favorite Tennessee Vol was Heath Schuler, and I like the name Heath, and I had a son and named the son Heath, I wouldn't tell people he's named after Heath Schuler. Oh, I'd make up a I'd make up a relative. If you did Heath, I would automatically say it's Heath Schuler. Then you would have to say, no, no, my great, great grandpappy Heath even though you don't have a great-great-grandpappy. I'd like to take this time now to announce that my daughter, Evie, is actually named after Channing Tatum's daughter, Evie. <laughs> <laughs> Huge Channing Tatum guy. No, I'm kidding. It just, Aren't we all? It it's, it just happens to be. <laughs> well, well, then we found out after the fact that his daughter's also named Evie. Well, I mean, look at the disaster. Aren't Howard Stern's, one of Howard Stern's staffers, <laughs> named their son Carson after Carson Wentz right when the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl, and they're huge Eagles fans. Now Carson Wentz is, is, is a blip. 
That's why you, if you're going to go the route of naming, this is advice for Toby and Lindsay if they decide one huh? day to grow their family. If you're going to name a child after a sports hero, Don't do that it. hero needs to be retired from your favorite or team or Michael. out of college. <laughs> if it's a college hero, you can't, like you said, Paul, go with a current pro athlete that could leave that team the next minute, right? Don't, just don't do it. And certainly don't admit it. it. Everywhere we went uh, in Chattanooga, there, I mean, it's no surprise, but every bar, every place for, for dinner or for brunch, the NFL draft was on. Every single TV dominated by the NFL Did you draft. Feel, do you feel like it's a Falcons town or a Titans town? Is Titans it, town. It's a Titans it? town. Tons of Titans gear out on the streets. Uh, and, and I, I think maybe three years ago, whenever the Falcons were making their run, <laughs> they were up 28 to 3. <laughs> yeah, it was a Falcons. Maybe there's more Falcons gear in that city, but uh, not anymore. It's more Titans now than, than it is Falcons. Um, and look, it, it was more Aaron Rodgers coverage, coverage than actual NFL draft coverage every time I looked at the TV this weekend. The Packers are in denial. They are in the breakup phase of all of this. And it, there's what, Chad, we, we've gone through this, the, the breakup phases on uh, the, the different versions of relationships in a previous show. You have the shock and denial phase. You have the pain and guilt phase. Then you have anger and bargaining, which will come back whenever they try to offer him even more money than what he's turned down. Then you go through depression. Then there's reconstruction. And then finally, acceptance and hope. And right now, the, the Green Bay Packers are in the middle of shock and denial with every quote that I hear. Meanwhile, uh, you have Damoski at ESPN saying less than 5% chance that, that Aaron Rodgers is back. You have Peter King going on national radio this morning saying that he doesn't see Aaron Rodgers playing in Green Bay again. Uh, and every press conference, including uh, Matt LaFleur, who says you just can't let his brain go there. He can't let himself think about Aaron Rodgers not being a part of the roster. Let me tell everyone something about LaFleur. Uh, the guy is critical and thinks about everything. We know that from his time here. He's done nothing but think about Aaron Rodgers leaving his team since last week. That's all he's done. And for him to get behind the microphone and say he hasn't even thought about it, he can't, can't let himself go there, is ridiculous. They, uh, I'm just automatically drawn to, like, where is he going to land? Denver, destination number one, you have to think. The other place that I, I, I've considered is Minnesota. Uh, hard, to, hard to do the division. The Brett but, Favre. But that's, that's the team that's unsettled to me at quarterback. Jeremy Fowler is floating Vegas. And, yeah, that's a good one uh, because he's never happy at quarterback. And, uh, look, uh, you know, if you're unsettled at quarterback, you haven't just made a move, um, you know, it's all-time great, you, 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 you go get him. Um, you know, Jordan Love, you have no idea what he is, what he isn't, all, no. all of that stuff. But um, I mean, they're screwed. Like, the, I mean, the Packers. Let's Paul just say Friday, what it is. You, like, said, they, you said that they're going to call his bluff. And oh, he's I think play. I think they're going to call his they bluff. Still and he'll he's gone. I, I believe he's gone. If Rob Demosky, our, our buddy, is saying five percent chance, Aaron Rodgers will walk before he plays for the Packers. And uh, I, I, I'm just amazed. I'm amazed at Matt Lafleur acting like he hasn't thought about it. Clearly, well, he's, he had, has. He, he's, he's just, thought about that's it. That's his way of not answering the question, yeah. where he says, you know, you know, we haven't really heard this from Aaron. We, we've heard this from everyone but him. And I, I agree with Paul with what you said last week about how we, it's time for him to come forward and go public with his thoughts on this, the same way, you know, we heard from Russell Wilson. But um, at the Kentucky Derby, Tarico 
Tariko has a, a a chat with Aaron Rodgers, who wouldn't go on Off camera, camera, but reiterates. Uh, Tariko goes on in, in reports, then reiterates. Yeah, there's there's definitely tons of friction there, and he's not willing to talk about. He it. said there's a chasm it. between the organization and the player that right now doesn't look like they're ever going to come together on that. And These a big do part get of this is sometimes. the Packers are so driven by organization. Players play. We make the personnel decisions. Coaches coach. There's no intermingling. Well, they can repair the it by firing their general manager. Yeah, they're not going to do that, though. Um, I mean, who does that? that you know, that, that's a very NBA thing. We had this conversation uh, last Who's week. Who's more important to the Packers right now? Yeah, certainly Aaron Rodgers, but you don't. The organization is you, released a You're down a, a slippery statement. slope if you start firing executives at the demands of the player, no matter how good the player they, is. So the organization released a statement on Thursday evening slash well, Thursday evening. We discussed it on Friday, and then I, I guess there's a monthly open letter to fans from from Murphy. Murphy, and he addresses it in that letter. After every press conference, or during every press conference, they're asked about Aaron Rodgers. Nationally, everyone's trying to get comment from him, including at the Kentucky Derby. Um, it, he did an interview on camera with somebody at the Derby. Somebody, I can't remember, Peter King wrote about it. Somebody who agreed not to ask him. What kind of media outlet agrees to do an interview with Aaron Rodgers on the condition that they don't ask the him The same question? media outlets that agree not to tip picks. Yeah, that, that's that's uh, it's way worse than well, that. It, was it, it NBC? At least TV was he on partner. camera with NBC? No, he wasn't on camera with NBC. Tariko talked to him off camera, um, but uh, it, it's just uh, I, I think almost any media member, if Aaron Rodgers was at the Kentucky Derby granting them an interview, would probably do what Aaron Rodgers no. wanted in that setting. I mean, NBC didn't even do it. Um, but Mike Tariko got news. I mean, right. at least he said off camera. He said what everybody knew right. already. The um, you know, I mean, look, if, if, the, if the Packers did play hardball here, and I know Rodgers is not wanting for money or anything, um, you know, once he doesn't come to camp under contract, it does cost a fortune now in the fines that add up. We saw it in Nashville with Vic Beasley who paid, what, uh, half a million dollars for 10 days of, yeah. of not reporting to camp. That money adds up if, if he's just intending not to come. Um, so it will will be quite a bit of money in a hurry. They've got to uh, reach some sort of accord in order for him not to be uh, paying a fortune in fine. So Peter King referred to Aaron Rodgers as someone who's principled, that you better believe that he will go host Jeopardy or try to or not come back to the Packers if he says so. Paul, you're going to hate that I'm bringing this up, but this is a guy who doesn't talk to his family because he made up his mind that his family was bad for him, and he still does not speak to them. So whatever's in his mind, and he's made up his mind, it seems like, about the Packers, even though he's, just like he doesn't outwardly say, I'm never speaking to my family again, to the media, or in an interview, he's made up his mind on the Packers, which makes me believe more and more that he will retire and go host Jeopardy, unless they trade him. We, this would not be that odd of a story if he wasn't just the MVP. And they weren't just 13-3. Right. and three. If he thought he was being used incorrectly or there was a rift with the coach and he's on the backside of his career and his play's not as – then you'd understand, okay, trade me, you move on to the future, I'll go start somewhere else and, and play somewhere else. That's what makes this so strange. You brought up the NBA element of this. If I'm Aaron Rodgers and I look at this from his perspective, I'm rightfully pissed off at the Packers about not communicating with me that they wanted to draft a quarterback in the first round and yeah, not bad, helping bad, me out. Bad, bad, bad form. It's bad form by them. I can understand him being mad. 
I can understand him being out on the GM. But what do we want as sports fans? We don't want the NBA. We don't want players run, ruling the roost. We want what Hutton we just said, organized players playing managers. That's what I managers. just said. Yeah. And we want the Packers situation. That is an organization where coaches coach, GMs draft, players play, shut the hell up. That's what we want as sports fans, right? Ultimately, that's General. what we all want. Yeah. But that's also if you're Aaron Rodgers and sports fans could put themselves in his shoes and think, if I'm a three-time MVP and a Super Bowl champion – and I'm Aaron Rodgers this past year, and I see them draft a quarterback without telling me. I get angry and play well. I see my head coach make an inexcusable gaffe on a decision late in an NFC championship where the Packers were the better team than Tampa. They should have won that game at home. I I go into the offseason thinking I I don't want to be here anymore, and I can understand him feeling that way. But, I mean, I get what you're saying, and that list is not a great list. Those are some messy things, but they are not a mess. They've been in the last two NFC Championship games. They should have. They 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 should they have been in a Super Bowl the last couple of years? Yes, but are they right there? Yes. It's not like they're a team that's falling apart, right? It's not like I can understand. Right, I can understand if he's Matthew Stafford being pissed. But what are the odds he goes to a situation that's better? I mean, I know you could look at Brady and say, look, he went to Tampa Bay and threw them over the top, but. He lost to Brady, like the only situation that he loses. They're right there. He's got a better chance in Green Bay than anywhere. Where's he going in the NFC that's got a better chance against Tampa Bay? Where's he going that's got a better chance? I think Aaron Rodgers makes a lot of teams a team that can contend with Tampa Bay. I agree. Right away. But he's not in that messy a situation. Well, the thing, too, is we, we mentioned we, we don't want the players with total control. This is also, according to reports, Green Bay going back on what they told him they were going to do, yeah, which that's was trade him, biggest which problem. is why he's coming forward and leaking the information on draft. Why day. did they say they would trade? Because I think both sides agree that they're not Time repairing was what, was, what was happening. And... That when they, they said, yeah, we're going to trade you, and then didn't, then they offer him the extension. He turns it down, and that's that leads, leads us to draft weekend. So did the league not step forward and offer what Aaron Rodgers is worth during trade se- the early trade season? That's crazy to me, considering how many teams are desperate for quarterback. Like Carolina, Tepper's dying for a star quarterback. How would they not have stepped forward and given a deal for Aaron Rodgers when you look at what what uh, San Francisco gave up to go to number three to get Trey Lance, or why wouldn't San Francisco have given up that package for Aaron Rodgers, which you think Green Bay would have taken, and then you can surround Jordan Love with, with that and have all of those firsts coming up. If they couldn't get that offer, then, then something's broken. But don't tell them you're going to trade him before you get the deal. Get the deal in place, then go to him and say, we've got this deal, we can amicably end this whole thing. It's all about precedent setting and the precedent that you don't want to set if you're the Packers organization. But believe you me on this, the best thing that can happen to the Green Bay Packers for the next season is for this GM to resign and for the Packers to convince him to step aside and resign and allow them to talk to Aaron Rodgers and bring him back. But by doing that, you are going down a difficult slope because the moment you grant any one player 
that type of power to force the resignation of a GM, there's going to be another p- player eventually that's going to want the same exact thing. Not just And you're there. going to be right back in the Not same exact there, spot. Not just there, It starts it in now, the league. I can also say there's maybe three guys in the league that would hold the power of Aaron Rodgers. So this isn't – even with most quarterbacks, they, they would try. never have this type of power. But they try. But the, the best thing that can happen for the Green Bay Packers on the field Regardless if you're a Packers fan, if you're not, if you hate Aaron Rodgers, if you love him, convince me otherwise. The best thing that can happen, the Packers brass comes to the GM and says, you got to go, man. I'm sorry, but Aaron Rodgers has spoken, and we're trying to win a Super Bowl in the next two years. And the only way to do that is for you to resign and us to elevate someone else of Aaron Rodgers' approval that he can work alongside. And we're going to do this until he retires. Then we're going to try to go right back to that old setup where we run things and the players play and see how it works, but we're also st- opening up the precedent that a player can make a call like yeah, this. I understand what it, you're it's saying. A, it's a tough spot. But again, this, it's isn't, a tough spot. this isn't Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby, you know, where, where uh, Deshaun Watson take away all the, the alleged criminal activity. If Deshaun Watson was on the level, he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers' resume by any chance, but, but he would have had a chance, I think, or, or, or everybody on his side for that. Get rid of these idiots who are, are creating the problem there and side with the player. Here, though, it's two steps. And I know Aaron Rodgers had a huge role in the steadiness of the organization. He's been the it, steady contributor. But it being a publicly owned franchise, that, that uh, I just don't see it happening there. And this guy's not been on the clock that long, Gutenkust. If I'm getting a name, well, he hasn't been on the clock that long, but he's done some serious damage to his franchise player in the short time he's been there. But what's his huge failing? I mean, he drafted a quarterback and he didn't communicate it well. It's it it's it's not good. But he hasn't made some egregious miss. It's, it's a pretty not. catastrophic failure when every other person that was there kept Aaron Rodgers happy. And Aaron Rodgers is an extremely moody guy, but yeah. he has not been demanding to leave Green Bay the entire time. He's gotten along with his teammates well enough. And the first move you make is to draft a quarterback and not tell Aaron Rodgers your intentions to do that. The first thing I'm doing, if I'm considering it, is calling Aaron Rodgers or sitting him aside and saying, look, here's, you're our guy, but we got to start planning on the future. This. this is a three- or four-year project player. Don't think that if we do this, we haven't made that up our mind. If the right receiver's there, we want to get him. But if we do this, don't think this is we don't believe in you. You have to at least communicate that. I'm not apologizing for the communication by any means, but I would think that Aaron Rodgers would have some understanding of that situation, having been that guy himself, you know, and sat three years waiting for the Favre thing and understanding that, you know, in the business, this is, this is how it works. And you replaced a legend and somebody ultimately is going to replace But also you. keep in mind Aaron Rodgers never wanted that. Aaron Rodgers wanted to be the number well, one overall wants. pick to San Francisco that year. Sure. He wanted to start right away. I mean, he, he, well, he said didn't get what he that wants. clip was coming up on draft night. He said, everyone who plays me is going to regret well, it. He didn't get what he wants. 49ers included after that. He wanted to play right away. So he's probably also thinking, you're putting Jordan Love in the same uncomfortable spot you put me in with Brett Favre. It's not fair to him. It's not fair to me. This guy probably wants to go somewhere and play right away, too. He didn't get what he wants. Favre didn't get what he wants. Love didn't get what he wants. But it all turned out pretty damn well the first time through. Well, there, there is an organization with a new regime that's doing the exact opposite of what the Green Bay Packers have done with Aaron Rodgers. We'll discuss that 
and their draft approach next on Outkick 360. It is Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. You can find us on Twitter at Outkick 360. Chad, there was a uh, gentleman on YouTube uh, that was upset that Jakob and Lance were were playing ad-free programming two minutes before we, we we even went on air this morning. That's right. George on Twitter <laughs> says, just brought up the show on YouTube. Poor FYI, <laughs> you can't have two minutes of nothing in front of the show. If you do not have something, just go to the show. No one wants dead air for two minutes. And I responded to George and said, you can avoid that by tuning in. This is a message for everyone. You can tune in at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central every day when the show starts. I picture George as the type of guy who goes to a sporting event and is angry because there's not a sporting event leading up to the sporting event. I was here for 15 minutes in my seat, and there wasn't a football game happening before the football game. How dare you <laughs> give me something before that? You can't just have pregame stuff going on in advance of the show happening. Also, so. we're telling you uh, we're two minutes away. We're 159 away. We're 158 away. We're 157 <laughs> away. I could keep going, but I think you're getting the idea. It's, it's no secret. There's a two minutes before we go on the air. We let you come. And prepare yourself, you know, pull up your chair, get cozy, all That's of right. that stuff. If you don't care for the two-minute countdown, as Chad said, plan two minutes ahead. And we can also uh, <laughs> alert you that Jakob Swanson is, in fact, working on something for those two minutes oh, yeah. and for some of the other breaks that we may wow. unveil later this week or maybe even next week. And when that two-minute countdown starts, I want everyone to know that you're two minutes away from bang, bang. That's what you're two minutes away from, all right? So for George and everyone else, that's your two-minute warning for Bang Bang. We're just all ignoring that, and it'll go away in time. I'm going to keep pressing. We're going to press forward, keep pressing it until it becomes something. So we were discussing Aaron Rodgers and how they've gone behind the scenes with Jordan Love last year with the draft and drafting the future replacement for Rodgers and their veteran quarterback, new head coach, uh, new general manager. We're seeing the opposite investment being made in the veteran quarterback in Atlanta, where they are investing around Matt Ryan. There's a belief there that he's got two or three solid years left. And instead of going quarterback at number four, they get him Kyle Pitts. They've invested in offensive linemen. They are investing uh, defensively in making that a better team, but not ignoring the, the weapons that are on the board for their veteran quarterback in a division with Tom Brady and in a division where th there's talk that Atlanta's rebuilding, but they're building around their veteran. And it's, it's a different approach than what we've seen in Green Bay where Aaron Rodgers wants out. Matt Ryan is buying back in with Arthur Smith. I think, uh, you know, we've talked about this. They've they've got a chance in that division. The 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 they've got to keep up. Not I don't think so much with Tampa Bay. I mean, I, I'm I'm granting that Tampa Bay is going to be consistently good, having brought everybody back, unless there's a slew of injuries. The up and comers in that division are Carolina, and we're going to talk about them in a yep. minute. Atlanta has got a fight with Carolina. There's also an extra. You know, you could get three teams conceivably in the playoffs now. Teams uh, divisions have done it before, and now you've got a, an extra playoff spot. But I, I I agree with what you're saying, and I think uh, you know Pitts 
And now we see what happens with Julio Jones, which is a salary cap move also. But even if, if they if trade him, they're still it. pretty good yeah, at receiving. They just exercised Calvin Ridley's fifth-year mm. option. They've, they've got some players. And, um, you know, they, they, uh, they, they draft Pitts, they draft Richie Grant, a safety, and they draft Jalen Mayfield, uh, an offensive tackle from Michigan. So th- those are primary spots. And then they, got a, they had a center in the fourth, in the fourth round. So, I mean, they've... Darren Hall, the cornerback from San Diego State, and Drew Dahlman, a center from Stanford. So uh, in, the, in their f- first batch, they're addressing, addressing concerns. I, you know, look, we like Arthur Smith. We know Arthur Smith. We think he's going to do some things. And he talked about being unconventional with Pitts and, and with their guys. Um, I think it's an exciting time to see what the Falcons can do with these guys. And I'm, I'm with you. on. Uh, I, I, I didn't want to see them draft a quarterback. I, I'm not about... Uh, getting a quarterback who's going to sit. I'm about getting a player who's going to play now and worrying about later, later, and that's the, the strategy they took. I like what Arthur Smith said about this is a group, a core group of guys that three years ago made it to a Super Bowl. Of course, the, we know what happened there. The rest is history against the Patriots and blowing that lead. Speaking of Brady. But he said <laughs> it's also ancient history in this league. He said, I yeah. view it as ancient history. I'm inheriting a team that went 4-12. and 12. But I like the fact that he can say that while also acknowledging we're here to win right away. This is not a rebuild. This is a group that if you're, if you're picking players around Matt Ryan, you're saying we're going to win in year one. And I, I like that mentality. I like it from Arthur Smith. I like it from Arthur Blank. I like it from that organization. If you're going to roll the dice on it and you believe in Matt Ryan, go all in on it. Support him. Kyle Pitts, that was the no-brainer decision if you're going to go no, without a quarterback in that number four pick. But time's going to tell if we're going to second-guess it because if Matt Ryan starts to decline, or even if he doesn't and this team can't stop anyone and they're 6-10 and 10 this year and they're 7-9 and nine a year from now and Matt Ryan either goes somewhere else or retires and Justin Fields is lighting it up in Chicago, there's going to be a lot of second-guessing with Falcons fans about, boy, we had a chance to – remake our entire franchise with an Atlanta area kid at quarterback, just like everyone that drafted in front of the Bears, that drafted in front of Deshaun Watson and and Patrick Mahomes. They're thinking about, boy, we had a chance to remake our franchise and didn't. That's going to be the second guess is what happens with Justin Fields. To me, that's the comparison point. The Falcons are good right away. They're winning. They're going to the playoffs. No problem. But if if they continue on this, four and 12 to mediocre range and Matt Ryan isn't great and Justin Fields is good in Chicago, that's going to be the problems Falcon fans have with it. Matt Ryan's 35, Hunt. I'm not scared of 35-year-old quarterback with a, with a good mm-hmm. record. I mean, the league's not scared of 35-year-old quarterbacks with good records. Now, you know, uh, they're not all going to be Brady playing up, up till 40, but 35, I'll take three years more of a guy who's 35 who's been a steady good quarterback in the league who's taken his team to the Super Bowl and who's got weapons. If you're upgrading weapons with Pitts, if you're addressing offensive line with two of your first five picks when a couple of those are still in the fourth round, I ride it. Ride it. The Broncos pass on quarterbacks as well. Another surprise. I think, you know, I mentioned them with Atlanta because we thought Atlanta would, would draft a quarterback at some point. They chose not to. Um, and the Broncos are the same way. They're going to ride with Teddy Bridgewater, who they traded for prior to the draft, and Drew Locke uh, in a competition for the starting position 
Uh, that I would have lost money on that had I had an opportunity to bet whether or not Denver drafts a quarterback in 2021. I, I among us, am, am by far uh, the, the biggest believer that something will happen that Aaron Rodgers remains. But if Aaron Rodgers moves, I think Denver's the number one landing spot. So uh, I would say if, if he's going somewhere, Denver's the least settled team in the league. Wouldn't you agree? I think it's, yeah, Denver is the one that's circled for me. Denver or Houston. I mean, Houston drafts Davis Mills. Houston's got nothing left to give, though, trade-wise. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They've they've traded away their future drafts. Um, I'm just looking at quarterback situations. And, you know, they draft Davis Mills with Terod Taylor. It's a clear sign. That's their first pick of the draft. I mean, they could definitely use him. They know Watson that's them acknowledging Watson's very but unlikely. But the big trade chip is Deshaun Watson, and you, you can't get anything. Yeah, I'm going to give you one that I would just like to see, selfishly, if, if he's moved, New Orleans. Uh, I don't think you can be very confident in Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, if you're New Orleans. And I would love to see Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in the same division with new teams. So you're not confident in Ian Book? Uh, Ian, I like Ian Book. I actually do like Ian Book, but I'm not confident <laughs> that he's going to be the guy right away for where they drafted him. But wouldn't that be fun to see that twice a year with those two aging quarterbacks going head-to-head in the same division? Hey, the other thing about Rodgers, I sent you a note on yeah. this, the schedule's coming out, what, May 12th? May 12th. This thing's not going to be resolved by May Wednesday. 12th. And so what do they do with the Packers? I mean, if they're listening to Demofsky, they got to schedule away from the Packers. Uh, well, and how you do don't you think America wants to see Jordan Love, the guy the Packers traded up to get? There's still a storyline there, but it's not the yeah. it's not the money maker that the league pitched to the the television companies whenever they added the extra game. I mean, One they of play the, games, the Packers, right? They play the, the, Chiefs. the Chiefs, Packers, Chiefs. That's a massive game if Rodgers is there, and if he's not. It's an average Sunday afternoon game. There's more flexibility built into the schedule, and thank God, because if you schedule the Packers as if Aaron Rodgers is there now, and then he's not, those <laughs> well, he's games. he's somewhere, though. Yeah, but uh, that, those games, the, where uh-huh. he is needs to flip into all of those time slots. If the, it's a disaster schedule. Well, the NFL is great about creating these dates that we look forward to, like the draft and mm-hmm. then the schedule release. Let's add another date to it. The reschedule release. Two weeks before the start of the season when the rosters are set, <laughs> they come back and you get five changes, right? What if the league, it's almost like a, it's its own draft. It's a network draft. You bring in the networks and they have the schedule. With the as first it pick of the reschedule. The swap, right, yeah. If So if it's Packers, Chiefs, like, this is now a noon on Sunday game, regional game. We're we going to select Titans this game. in Jacksonville to Wednesday night. Wouldn't that be great, though? <laughs> Every fan base would, you know, we might get a Sunday night game out of this deal. We might be one of those five picks that moves into one of those Southwest, spots. I need to change that flight on. immediately. Uh, please, yeah. Uh, that, yeah. Saturday, at the earliest flight I can get to, to uh, Kansas City. I'm all for making more informed <laughs> network decisions. So if it takes waiting to see what happens with the Packers and what shakes out to get the best but there's so television schedule on that Sunday and Monday of that week for these games, I'm all for it. Yeah, but there's so many logistics that have to be taken care of in terms of teams, oh, booking these hotels. Billion-dollar billion organizations, they can work out something with the Hyatt yeah, <laughs> and figure it out. It's easy to say, but if you're going to a city like Indy or Nashville, it's got these conventions coming in, you don't have a wide-open hotel. Um just going through a couple of the headlines, and I want to get to a tweet that uh, that Chad sent out. 
early Friday in, in just a moment. But so the Bills go Gregory Rousseau and Carlos Boogie Basham in back-to-back picks on a defensive line where they invested with A.J. Epinesa last year. So they're, again, they're taking their chips Doubling down. from where they were in the AFC Championship game and pushing them back on the defensive front because they chased and chased and chased Patrick Mahomes and <laughs> had no him. chance, no chance in the AFC Championship game, um, much like all the teams do. But they're saying they're close. They have to find a way to get to the passer. Well, also, uh, and I mean, Ed Oliver's not that far along, but uh, Jerry Hughes is getting old. Yep. Uh Mario Addison, you know, probably not that much star. Luda Laley, not. Uh, Recent uh, free agent acquisition, though. Yeah, so, I mean, you're right. They're putting their resources in the spot they know they need to, uh, to be And, it, and good. it fell that way for them. Yeah. It fell that way for and them. And they don't have tremendous needs elsewhere in the That's roster. Right. So they had the luxury of loading up at the spot that could, could be the answer. Uh, really surprised that the Miami Dolphins did not take a running back until the seventh round. And some of that is it just didn't work out for them early in the draft. They had two first-round draft picks, though, and Najee Harris goes to Pittsburgh, Travis Etienne drafted by Jacksonville, and then Javante Williams, uh, another running back that they passed on. And they end up getting uh, a seventh-round running back out of Cincinnati, for a team that is desperate for help in the backfield, they may be just running it back with what they had last year, well, but there's still some free agency things that they could add. I'm fine. You know, we've seen seventh-round running backs from wherever run fine, um, but, you know, in places. I, I'm not big on the you have to have the big-name running back. You have to have the mentality, and you have mm-hmm. to block, okay, and you have to have a passing game to play off of, and they've addressed that. I love what Miami did in their first four Jalen Waddle, obviously. Jalen Phillips, I'm concerned about the concussions, but if he's okay. He's a true 4-3 in. Yeah, and I will circle back to him in a second. Liam Eichenberg didn't go to either of the teams that Chad insisted Forgot. he would land Classic with. Classic Colt. Colt Colts really Raven. missed out on an opportunity to draft Liam Eichenberg. He'll be a Eichenberg. Colt in four years. And, That's right. And I Hunter. expect a big free agency deal with the Colts and Eichenberg. And Hunter Long fourth. I think Miami's wow. moving in a very good direction. I look at this division, and boy, Buffalo, Miami, and New England. If uh, and you know I'm down on the free agent push, but mm-hmm. if the free agent push works, that is a three-team slugfest potentially with Buffalo at the top of the heap. A- a- AFC East competitive in a way it hasn't been and in that, a long time. And that brings us to Chad's tweet: Are the Jets wait for it having a good draft? He said this they out did on have Friday. A, they did have a good draft, and I like the best thing I like was uh, Douglas, the GM, said to Wilson when they drafted him, we don't need you to lift us. We're going to lift you. And then they put their money where their mouth is in the way they drafted for him. If you're Sam Darnold, I know you've moved on, (laughs) but you have to be looking at the Jets thinking, they are doing everything around this guy now. They did nothing around me. Gee, thanks a lot, guys. That's probably what Sam Darnold's sitting there saying. So what they give him? You have it in front of you? No, so I, and I asked the question because I, I think so much of the answer to that question revolves around your thoughts on Zach Wilson, which sure. I admitted in the pre-draft windup that 
I'm thinking less of Zach Wilson because the Jets think so much of him. I'm liking The him fact more. that the Jets are all in on him and not the other guys, I'm thinking there must be something wrong with Zach Wilson because the Jets are so bad at picking <laughs> players. And that's uh, just an inherent bias while looking at the Jets and all the bad it's moves they've, they've made that. recently. But I do think that when you look top to bottom, what they did in the draft, I, I, there's a lot to like. They got protection at guard for him with the next first-round pick. Elijah Barrett-Tucker. Here's what I like more than anything else about what the Jets did. They drafted two dudes named Michael Carter in the same draft. First time it's ever happened. Two guys with the same name. It's funny. One a running back from North Carolina. One a running back from Duke. I know Peter King no, wrote about this. Second one's a cornerback. So cornerback from Duke, running back from North Carolina. The cornerback tackled <laughs> Michael Carter, the cornerback, in 2018, tackled the running back, Michael Carter, from North Carolina on back-to-back plays. A funny enough stat. Even but more beautiful. Two guys, they love guys named Michael Even Carter. Even more beautiful. The second Michael Carter These is, are facts that I love. is technically Michael Carter the second. <laughs> That's amazing. So they drafted Michael Carter in the, in the, in the fourth round from North Carolina. And then in round five, they drafted Michael Carter the second. I don't know. I, I, listen, you guys are from the South where everybody's junior or the second or the third. So you should be able to explain to me why a guy's the second as opposed to junior. There's some slight difference. I always thought I went junior than the third. I, I don't know why you skip the junior part and go to the second. See, I think the second is if you don't have the exact same name. Like maybe your middle name's different, so you're the second oh, I, instead of junior. Oh, junior is the exact no same idea. name. I don't know. I'm sure I Twitter feel like will the second and junior in. should be the same <laughs> but thing. But listen, this is a good draft. <laughs> I think it's just your choice. Jack, so Zach cooler. Wilson, Elijah Vera Tucker, who they traded up to get 14th, Elijah Moore uh, in the second round, 34th overall, and Michael Carter, the running back from North Carolina. That's a nice draft. Paul, I think I have it. I think the second is when it's a grandfather's name or another relative. You're being oh, named after dad. someone that's not your dad. I feel like I've read that somewhere before. All right. I'm Junior sure is the exact replica of the of name father. from the father. Michael Carter II could be named after Michael Carter, his granddad, right. or Michael Carter, his uncle. Well, I'll buy, so that that's until, how it's the I'll buy that until Twitter corrects us. Do also, you guys know? I immediately thought. Our production team useless on this issue. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. These guys, these guys haven't studied this, uh, this fact. We didn't turn our camera on. Yeah, that's, <laughs> no there's light, also no, no light back there today. It's amazing. I think that's a good These draft. guys are maskless think, for the first time after I getting know, vaccinated. Getting they want to turn their light on back I, there so we can see I them. think this AFC East, really, really a lot going on. Look, it's hard to say the Jets are turning. Elijah Moore, we might talk about this again. A.J. Brown's talk with Elijah Moore in his bedroom of his home where they they were for the draft. Uh, uh, Just true love between teammates and dear, dear friends. Maybe the most emotional thing I saw over the course of the weekend. And you guys know I don't like the sappy stuff. There's no way not to be impacted uh, by this conversation. I'm with you, Chad. The Jets had had a a nice draft. Jalen Phillips, and we might get into this more when we talk more specifically about the Titans. Everybody's very concerned about Caleb Farley's back. If you're concerned about Caleb Farley's back, you should be concerned about Jalen Phillips' head. Uh, uh, to me, it's, it's comparable. Multiple concussions and, and two back surgeries, equally concerning. Maybe more so because you get a, the concussions get exponentially worse, right? I, I guess you could say the same about the back surgery. I put them in the same basket, though. You're worried about further injuring a cornerback's back, and you're worried about further injuring a, uh, a pass rusher's head. And quite frankly, the pass rusher's head is going to take more knocks than a cornerback's back is going to take twists, I would think. 
because you're just in that position more regularly. So the, those are the two big injury concerns coming out of the first round. And he's bound to have another concussion. You would think the odds are, are high. Um, final thought, just going through the list. The Ravens, Paul, you and I were chatting about this briefly. The, the, their plan to replace Orlando Brown doesn't come in the draft. It's coming in free agency. Yeah, Alejandro Villanueva is getting signed this week, all indications are. And Dennis Kelly may be as well. So they could be adding their second tackle and their swing tackle. And we saw Dennis Kelly do very well in Tennessee as the third tackle who played a lot uh, for Taylor Lewan, mm-hmm. And then after the uh, Isaiah Wilson complete bust was a 16-game starter last year for a division-winning team, uh, they're going veteran-wise uh, to, to replace Orlando Brown. And uh, who'd they draft at the back end? They got themselves a receiver. And another fullback. And uh, they got themselves a uh, pass rusher, raw pass rusher. And they know how to do develop pass rushers. Baltimore consistently, like, like Pittsburgh, those are two teams that there's just always somebody there that fits their mold that they'll bring in and shape. Uh, and they had to get a rookie receiver because they did not do very well luring veterans who just don't want to go to a place where they're going to run the ball somewhere. Coming up, some more draft takeaways. We get into the Tennessee Power Hour shortly as well. The very latest and the honest assessment on the Tennessee Titans 2021 NFL Draft coming up on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on here on the Outkick Network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Big thanks to Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, Becca Risley, Sleepy Danny, and David Reed, the chairman of the board, for making the show happen. Follow us on Twitter at Outkick360. Share the post on Facebook as well. That's what I'm about to go do right now. Uh, That's uh, what the guys uh, remind us to do during the break. Hey, go share the post. I've yet to do that from my own personal account. So I'm going to do my part immediately. The show now streaming. You've inspired me. I'm going to do the same right now. And the show, I'm told, is streaming today through... Uh, Titans, Multiple Paul Kuharski uh, on Facebook. So uh, another, as we continue to add, add Is it add. on every single account today? Uh, we're testing Paul's... Oh, we're testing. This is a test. Account. This is only yeah. a test. Okay. But it's working. It's a working test. Tennessee Titans, Kuharski. Sorry. Join the chat. Join the chat for the live show on Facebook, YouTube, on Twitter, uh, wherever you're watching today. And uh, we hope that you give us a rating and a review if you're listening to the show on podcast, wherever you download your podcast. The Tennessee Titans wrapped up their draft. They did make a trade up um, to go get a wide receiver, which we'll get to in, in, in total uh, starting in about 10 minutes. We'll recap the entire group. But the theme of the Titans class, guys, was a couple of things. Of course, they're going to say these guys are team first, physical, uh, gritty, tough. I mean, they're going to fit all these qualifications. But one of the, uh, it's hard to say prerequisite because not every player that they drafted fits this, checks this box. Most, but not all. They met with them at the Senior Bowl in Mobile face-to-face. Five out of eight. So they, they, have a, they, they have a rapport with these guys face-to-face before selecting them and bringing them to Nashville. Now, I don't know about the full-on group from last year and how many they had actually seen in person at all. I, I, to my knowledge, 
all of that had been canceled. Well, things didn't fall apart until March, right? Um, so you, you didn't know how little was, you were going to see guys right. until late. So it was much more of a scramble last year. This year they knew this is going to be one of our big opportunities to see guys in person, maybe our only opportunity. So they certainly took advantage of that. And five of the eight they, they liked in, in that regard. And they and had met with you know Isaiah Wilson it. last year at the Combine. Right. But the, the impression that was made in Mobile clearly led them to a deciding factor on a handful of these players. Definitely so. Definitely so. Um, and... Uh, it, I think that's important. Um, you know, they got fooled last year by Wilson. I don't think they overreacted to that. Uh, obviously, they didn't tiptoe into this draft. We talked about that with Farley and and the back concern. Right. But you know, they they got to to know what they're getting into all, all the time. And uh, you know, this is one of the things that certainly guarded against that. And they said they said you know they had a confidence level with their connections with these guys. Well, Raidens and, and Rice are two that they met with, uh, for sure. Rashad Weaver was another one that they referenced uh, the Senior Bowl work with, and there are, what, at least two others, I believe. Farley, they did not. Brady Breeze at the back end, they did not. And, and maybe Racy McMath. So those two, two guys at the back end are prod, uh, projects anyway. You know, you don't know if they're going to make the, the roster or not. Um, but these other guys, you know, you want as, as much as, as you can get with them. I think Titans draft, for me, you know, <clears throat> considering what they lost in Corey Davis, in Jonu Smith, um, I, I wanted some dynamic element to this draft. And I think outside of Caleb Farley, who we talked about, who, you know, really looks the part of, of a potentially elite yeah. cornerback, I think that they got a lot of guys uh, who were, were very productive college players, but I don't see a lot of dynamic guys who, and most stars in the NFL are dynamic. Look, the guys they lost were dynamic when they were at their best. Bud Dupree, who's the star of their free agent class, is dynamic. And this is more of a kind of team-building draft that lacks some of that, which I would have liked to have seen more. We're going to get into the weeds with a lot of these picks and, and get really detailed in that Tennessee Power Hour. I, I want to start, though, a little bit broad, and this is just about fan reaction. And I think this goes for any fan base out there, regardless of who you're a fan of, Titans or anyone else. We have to get to a point where we can assess a draft or anything and get in the middle between sucks and savant about general managers because that has been the reaction from a lot of Titans fans. It is either you can't possibly question John Robinson or the Titans on any pick because they are geniuses and we are all idiots. J-Rob would at trust their feet. those people. Yes. Or it's, this guy sucks. He drafted Isaiah Wilson. This happened, this, this, this. He can't do anything right. Let's try to get at least in the middle. You can have a strong reaction, good or bad, to this draft. We're never going to stop you from doing that here. If that's your opinion, great. But let's get away from this all-in, all-out type response to everything. It's where our country is right now. Let's start small and look at draft analysis this way. Let's let's meet in the middle at some point. It's perfectly okay to be okay with this draft for Titans fans or any fan of a team. I look at this draft class and I think it's okay. They, they missed on receiver. I, I, look, Des Patrick may be a Hall of Famer. I doubt it for where they got him, but clearly they missed an opportunity to get one of those really good pass catchers early. 
So that's a big whiff, in my opinion. But I look at middle round guys that everyone's praising, Elijah Molden, uh, Rashad Weaver. This is where John Robinson at times has proven to be a genius, is when you look in those middle rounds and what he can do. And these guys look like they're going to be really good pros. But we have to come to a point where it's something in between sucks and savant. This can be said about a lot of different things in life, but especially in draft analysis. And I hope we can get there today as we get in the weeds and get into detail with all these picks and give you some honest analysis of where it is. Well, here with a a quick reaction from me is, well, that didn't take very long. Uh, Emily Proud from News 2 tweets out, this just in, Titans' fourth-round pick. Rashad Weaver has been charged with simple assault, according to a court docket from the Pittsburgh Police Department. Uh, and she goes on to that report new? that the it was filed on April 30th. Uh, his preliminary hearing is scheduled for October 5th in Pittsburgh City. If the Tennessee Titans did not know in advance about this when they drafted Rashad Weaver, this is a glaring issue. With the scouting, with the scouting department, department and these young guys... If they didn't know about this. So it was filed what date? On April, April 30th? April 30th. So that was a couple days ago. Friday. And he was drafted on Saturday. There's a good chance they didn't know about it, I'm going to say. Don't you think? I mean, there's a good chance a lot of people so, didn't know about it. The timing is terrible. Uh, hold on now. I'm just trying to come to grips with something that just happened while we're live on air. The kid wasn't drafted Friday night, got pissed off, and went out and assaulted well, someone? I mean, we don't know if that's Well, that's why. what it looks like, though, right? Like, that's the timing of it, because he's going to get drafted the next day. Yeah, he's a fourth-round pick. So he's drafted on Saturday. Jesus, that's bad. That is awful news for the Titans, and an awful start for him, given Isaiah Wilson a year ago. This is not a first-round pick, but, man, that is not good. Again, and, and maybe we, we got to get info into it. Maybe yeah, simple assault. Maybe he's not at fault at all. It's a misunderstanding. Gets thrown out. Who knows? Who knows? But that's but, not, I mean, that, it's not good timing either way. Uh, uh, the Titans drafted someone who's charged with simple assault, though. I mean, that, that's well, and hey, that's good, the headline. Good job by Emily Proud of News Two getting that story and uh, and breaking it. But that is not good news for the Titans. So we'll we'll continue to see uh, what happens there, and we'll, we will allow the details to pan out with it. But you. You draft someone who, who was just charged with simple assault the night before. Isn't it funny that right when I had a little motivational pep talk about somewhere between sucks and savant, news breaks that a Titans draft pick was arrested the night before he was picked. Well, to your point, which takes which takes yeah. fire away from what I was well, saying. It certainly pulls it more to sucks. But uh, to, to your point, uh, uh, you're right. It's like an A plus or an F minus. Yeah. Uh, you know, with no no room. Oh, and so between. so and again the. The details here, the report was filed on April 30th, so it doesn't say when the incident when actually committed. took place, but the report was filed on April 30th. Do you think the Titans, even if they didn't know about the April 18th, so the April 18th was when the incident happened, filed on April 30th, do you think that even if they didn't know about the April 18th incident that they would lie and say they were aware of it? Oh, bleep, yeah. I would. Well, if, if the, I were the Titans and I had Isaiah Wilson happen last year, I'll, I'll go on record. Even if I didn't know about it, I would, I would, I would insinuate that, oh, yeah, we, we knew about it, we've looked into it, and it's fine. You've got to be proactive on that. What a terrible look. Got to somehow be proactive. Terrible look. Uh, we, we will uh, continue to discuss this, plus uh, our thoughts on the, the class. We'll go pick by pick on what the Titans accomplished and what we say they didn't accomplish from the weekend. Next on Outkick 360.